electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Sharon Epperson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. Today, my interview with Peter Lee, Vice President of Microsoft Research and Incubations, and Dr. John Halamka, President of the Mayo Clinic Platform. Using their expertise in medicine and artificial intelligence, they've partnered to address some of the world's biggest health challenges, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Partnering with governments, academics, and community outreach experts, they launched an initiative that collects data and uses AI to analyze health information and respond to the pandemic. They joined me at CNBC's Healthy Return Summit on May 11, 2021. Here's our conversation. You know, the coming together of two very important fields, medicine and artificial intelligence, has created significant advances in prevention, in diagnosis, and in treatment of some of the world's most difficult health challenges, including the COVID-19 pandemic. Public-private community partnerships and non-traditional collaborations in these fields has created a foundation that's helped predict prevent and prepare for some enormous challenges that this pandemic has brought to bear. So two of those key collaborators are with me right now. Peter Lee, as you mentioned, is the president, vice president of Microsoft Research and Incubations. And Dr. John Halamka is the president of the Mayo Clinic platform. Dr. Halamka and Peter Lee, thank you for joining me. Um, I'd like to begin to kind of just let folks know how these two key collaborators um, got together. So, Peter Lee, you were involved with the pandemic before it was announced as a global pandemic back in February of 2020. How did Microsoft get started in this endeavor? Well, uh, right in our backyard here in the Puget Sound area um, in Seattle, uh, patient number one in the U.S. uh, was discovered uh, through something called the Seattle Flu Study, uh, and, you know, Microsoft uh, has been working with the Seattle Flu Study and with the University of Washington, Seattle Cancer Care Alliance, and uh, other organizations on this. Um, and that first patient was treated at the Providence Health System, uh, where uh, we are very deeply embedded on their technology uh, initiatives. Um, and so as soon as uh, this patient was discovered um, and there was enough genetic evidence to realize that there had to be others. Uh, there was a ma- major mobilization to try to get ready uh, for what was predicted to be a coming wave of highly infectious people. And um, that drew us into an effort to try to provide the means, for example, uh, AI-powered chatbots uh, to handle uh, the uh, what could have been an incoming crush of patients. And, and that's how we got started. And Dr. Halamka, how did you connect with Peter Lee and with Microsoft? How did the Mayo Clinic's platform do that? Well, imagine it's May, March of 2020. And what you recognize is back then we had fear. We had urgency. We had a need for data. It was very clear that collaboration across government, academia, and industry would be the best thing to respond to the crisis and navigate the unknowns. 
And so we began to put together a variety of provider organizations, nonprofits. Peter and I spoke about the power of bringing together some of the work that I had co-led with the MITRE Corporation and the work that Peter was leading. And it became extraordinarily natural. And as Peter will tell you, we have met every single day since March of 2020 to try to navigate this pandemic response together. That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and many of the people that you're collaborating with, you've actually never met in person, right? What's amazing to all of us, I think, is we feel like family. And I suspect that when we very first see each other in person, many hugs will be exchanged because we've literally <laughs> never met. And uh, I think we've seen, I, I, I know uh, I've seen more of uh, Dr. Halamka than most of my family <laughs> during this past year. But, <laughs> but, you know, there was a need for coordination because, you know, one of the things that we immediately recognized is the Mayo Clinic uh, was uh, really spearheading some incredibly important response efforts. Uh, they uh, were working with MITRE Corporation, with lots of other major medical centers. Uh, we were involved. Uh, there were major foundations uh, involved, uh, grassroots community groups, uh, big healthcare organizations, other tech companies. And it looked chaotic. You know, all of us sort of off all doing our own things. And it was a chaos that wasn't good because we were having to ask ordinary citizens to do some very difficult things in overall response. And so it only made sense to try to pool our resources and coordinate our efforts so that you know, we can reduce the chaos and create more uh, actionable knowledge uh, for everybody. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Dr. Halamka, how do you recreate what you have created for this pandemic to respond to other global health issues? Is there a framework that is um, that can translate into other challenges? Well, it's so important that we capture the lessons learned of this last year of COVID. And it's what we would call societal resilience, right? Whether it's a pandemic or a natural disaster or climate change. So what are the things that we would need to do? It's very clear we need to instrument our society to collect data so that we can all respond more rapidly. Peter and I were discussing last evening the fact that we in this country had no way to know who had masks and who needed masks. Well, shouldn't there be some natural electronic mechanism we could spin up instantly to discover who had what and who needed what and coordinate supplies as well as clinical information? And that's something that would be across all disease states and disasters. So data, the ability to analyze that data and act on that data, the, be, the ability to engage the community, the ability to get together multiple organizations with very simple, what I'll call terms of engagement. Remember coming together with 1200 companies, no legal agreements, no money changed hands, and all one had to do was just agree to pitch in and you could participate. Hmm. Those are lessons we'll take to whatever comes next. And there were real sacrifices. Well, I think sacrifices. that's a very good point. 
Yes, oh, I, I was saying uh, out of those 1,200 companies, there were real sacrifices because, especially in the early part of the pandemic, some of those companies were really suffering, uh, and yet they still contributed uh, to the entire effort. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was uh, really heroic on the parts of so many people. On the subject of data, I think one of the things that we learned also is it's not just about analyzing data, but we now have the technical means to take that data and make predictions about what's c- coming. So it's not just knowing, you know, for example, where is the PPE and where does it need to go, but where does the PPE need to go next week and the week after and the month after that? And that ability to do some predictive analytics um, powered by big data has just become so important and was incredibly instrumental to the overall COVID response. Excellent. Well, my question for both of you is, you said 1,200 organizations were involved um, when you think when for a smaller company, for a smaller organization who's that's looking and saying that I don't have the resources of Microsoft or the Mayo Clinic, how can I make this happen? How can I be a part of this? What would you say to those who were not among the 1200 but wish they were? How do you how do you come together, perhaps on a smaller scale, but to have major change in the local area where you're working? Well, one of the things we learned is this is a very grassroots, bottom up kind of activity. And if you look at the progression of COVID, where we went, as you heard from Peter say, from PPE to then working on things like testing and cures and vaccines, well, now we're asking questions like, how do we all get back to work and life? And, you know, we have companies Mm -hmm. of all sizes trying to deal with some of the applications, the kinds of new devices we might carry that would help us get back on a flight or into a concert. And it truly, it takes nothing more than an energy, enthusiasm, and willingness. One of the things Absolutely. I hope that you know we learn for the future here is, um, in our collaboration, you know, we had people like Dr. Hamka, president of you know Mayo Clinic, right alongside a grassroots community leader, maybe for the Jewish community in New York, uh, or a Facebook group. Um, or the founder of a small four-person company that just runs uh, nursing call centers. And we were all at the table together, uh, all as peers, uh, because everyone who is really willing to devote themselves to this and to coming to a shared understanding, what are the challenges we're facing and who are the people that need to talk together to try to solve problems, uh, it ended up being uh, all kind of very egalitarian. And that model for the future, I think, is what's required for major response to global crises like this pandemic. So, so Peter, of course, you know that when we had this wonderful Jewish community leader who needed some help, he said, I wonder if there's any organization that can run the lab tests on my community. And Mayo said, we can. And he said, but I wonder if somebody could help us with the software so we could better recruit and retain our volunteers. And Peter said, we can. (laughs) So we all came together to help organizations, large and small, be successful. That's so important. And, and I wonder if it also helps to move organizations and grassroots communities who may not know as much about the merits of data science to come on board, because there are some communities that are still hesitant to, for, for instance, get the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, and, and, and is this a way to kind of engage them to figure out what problems to solve, but also to bring them along to show them that this is the technology that is needed to do it and you can trust it? 
So, Peter, I suspect you have some comments about some of our committees that help build that trust. Right. Um, so, you know, we tried to organize ourselves into committees that would actually get work done. Um, uh, we obviously had one on medical research, uh, but in, in, in a way, the most important committees were on community engagement, on really identifying those trusted community leaders who would know how to communicate and know how to bring in a sense of partnership. It would never work to bring in a big company like Microsoft or uh, the White House Coronavirus Task Force in certain communities uh, and engage that way. But if you can engage with community leaders, give them a seat at the table as peers, arm them with data and the data tools, uh, then you create a, a way to earn trust. And the trust is just so important. If a person is being asked to donate plasma, for example, this is a person who has just gone through the harrowing experience of getting sick with COVID-19, yes. fortunately recovering, and now you're asking them to, again, do something very difficult. And it, it, you just have to keep reminding yourself you know, that that's such a big ask. And, and who makes that ask really matters. So, example, there are many small hospitals that didn't have sophisticated IT, but they said, oh, we would be willing to contribute anonymized data to help your effort. So we asked questions such as, I wonder if those anti-malarial drugs help. We said, could 2,000 hospitals contribute small amounts of data so we would have maybe the largest in history analysis of that question? And in two weeks, we did it and got an answer. From what you've gleaned, Dr. Halamka, from this COVID crisis, do you have data available that can be very useful going forward for other types of health? challenges and concerns. Can you give me an example of, of what that might be? Well, so of course, what we learned is COVID maybe have some unique characteristics. We created the capacity to take data from individual institutions and narrow it, extract the data that we needed and put it into registries for analytics. And that model, we spun up very, very rapidly at very low cost and it can be replicated again. So certainly we have learned how to do this. Now there will be going forward, we hope, a bit more industrial strength approaches to this. So it doesn't require us doing this de novo, even if it's quick, it should be more automated. Literally, we should be able to collectively flip a switch and say, here is the next thing that's happened. Now we're gonna activate our emergency systems so we can collectively respond. So how about this? Yeah. Some things we learned, we'll do better next time, and sometimes will become permanent additions to our infrastructure. Absolutely. And Peter, what about those who say the data often looks backward? We're trying to figure out how to, you know, make sure that we are able to confront and have a better ability to do so going forward. So what has been learned in that regard? Well, one of the things, as I mentioned before, is the movement away from just data collection and counting to machine learning and AI models that actually bake in the intelligence uh, from human activity and thought and give us the analytical tools to actually predict the future or to understand when something is amiss. And we had so many great opportunities to apply those tools and pressure test them. You know, the idea of something in medicine now called real world evidence, where instead of waiting for a clinical trial, which is oftentimes very time consuming and expensive to set up, just to be able to mine and glean the data from the direct treatments 
of doctors and patients, analyze that data, gain the insights, and gain evidence that allows you to very, very quickly drive to new knowledge and new medical treatments. The whole concept of real-world evidence was just advanced a decade over just this past year uh, through this pandemic. And so while there was so much suffering and it was such a difficult time, and it is still uh, so difficult in some parts of the world, uh, our advances uh, through big data this past year um, were really things that give me a great deal of more hope for the future. That was Peter Lee, Corporate Vice President of Research and Incubations at Microsoft. He joined the Mayo Clinic's Dr. John Halamka at CBC's Healthy Return Summit on May 11, 2021, to discuss their collaborative effort to predict and prevent health crises. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. For more information on upcoming CNBC events and how you can join us, please visit cnbcevents.com. I'm Sharon Epperson. Thanks for listening. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.